Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, I'm sitting there tonight and I'm praying as they're singing, Jesus, do what you are famous for. Do what you are famous for. The truth is you got to be easy on me tonight. I'm a little out of practice. We haven't had church uh, here together in a few weeks. My wife and I and kids had an opportunity to be away. Pastor Levi did such an amazing job on our Facebook uh, live services for the last couple of weeks. Thank you, Pastor Levi. And the truth is to get up here and speak uh, tonight after the week we have had in this country is not easy uh, or the year that we've had in this country. Um, but the good news is this isn't what Gary is famous for. This is Jesus do what you are famous for. And what is he famous for doing? He's famous for changing lives. He's famous for coming and dwelling with you and showing you his presence and his love and the will that he has for you and for your life. And so my prayer tonight, as I know, is yours. Jesus, do what you are famous for. Amen? Well, I'm not the only one out of practice. Truth is, you guys all sound out of practice because it seems so dead in this room right now. And yet we just sang such amazing songs of worship to God, right? And so we're going to attribute that to just being a little bit out of practice, all right? But if God does what he's famous for tonight as we're worshiping, as we're speaking, as we're hearing the word, I believe that the anointing and the presence of God is going to be in this place in such a mighty way that it might even wake you up tonight. Hallelujah. God is so good. God is so good. Well, listen, I already said it. It's been a difficult year. It's been a hard year. I looked up some statistics, even in reference to COVID-19. 25,000 deaths in New York City alone. 25,000 deaths. Statewide in New York, 38,000 deaths, which means most deaths were right here in our city. Nationwide, 361 deaths in America from COVID-19 that we know of, and worldwide, 1.8 million deaths because of COVID. Now we're hearing about a variant from Europe, and we're hearing now about a variant from Africa. All of these variants, they're saying, are possibly 70% more contagious. How's that even possible? 70% more contagious. And because of COVID, we're dealing with still some shutdowns. We just found out that our children will be home out of school for the next two weeks because their school uh, closed down for COVID-related reasons. Um, work has been closed for many people, not only schools and work, but restaurants. And, of course, even many churches have still not opened up in areas like New York City. Do you know that there are 50 million kids in schools uh, that that uh, are out of school uh, or remote learning or a partial of both. There are 660,000 restaurants in the United States, many of which are either closed or open only partially. 380,000 churches that have gone through shutdowns and lockdowns and limited capacity. So here we are with COVID-19. Here we are with shutdowns. What's that also affecting? Things like economics. By the time this is over, they're estimating $16 trillion it would have cost the United States of America because of COVID. $30 trillion worldwide. 
not only are we dealing right now with COVID and the shutdowns and the economy, but we're dealing with severe political divide in our country over politics, racial, social, economic tensions, court appointments, elections. This is what 2020 had for us. It's amazing that you're here tonight and that you made it through. And then 2021 came. I saw the memes of kicking 2020 to the side. And, but little did we know that 2021 wasn't going to start off any better than 2020 ended. The opening of 2020 doesn't seem much better. Some of you right here have been sick. Some of you haven't been able to be with your families. You weren't able to celebrate Christmas and New Year's with your loved ones, away from family and friends, out of church for weeks, uh, political unrest and uncertainty with confusing election results and the tragic event of rioters entering into the Capitol building causing even the death of a police officer. That's all just happening in this first opening week of this new year. And so tonight you're here saying, Pastor Gary, you expect us to be energized, you expect us to be excited, but you're giving us doom and gloom. And if that's your thought, then you're really going to hate this next part because there is no indication that things are going to get better on this earth. None. There's none. What can you point to that is somehow going to change the situation that's been going on this week or this month or this past year that we just went through? I got news for you folks. A new administration isn't going to fix the underlying issues that divide us. Churches reopening the same way in which they were when they were closed a year ago isn't going to stop the moral decay in this country. We've learned through COVID just how vulnerable we are to mass disease. It's only a matter of time that our divisions and the determinant hearts of our enemies lead to a Weaker nation that's more susceptible to war and perhaps even defeat. And so tonight, with all that doom and gloom that I'm sharing with you, there are three things that I do know that are not doom and gloom. And those three things that if you as a Christian or you who are watching on Facebook Live tonight or on YouTube tonight, if you're watching and you're listening and you hear these things tonight, this will give you confidence even though there is no way you can put your confidence in what's happening in this world today. What are those three things? Number one, he reigns over his kingdom. Jesus reigns over his kingdom. No matter who's president, no matter what political party's in charge, no matter what's going on with our nation or what's going on with our relationship with other nations, no matter what's happening in the world today or what happened or what will happen, Jesus reigns over his kingdom. And the fact that Jesus reigns over his kingdom gives me peace in the storm. It gives me confidence in the uncertainty and it gives me joy in the suffering. Jesus reigns over his kingdom. You know, those who are disturbed do not truly believe and live like Jesus is reigning over his kingdom. They don't. If you know that Jesus is reigning over his kingdom, 
the things that are happening around you are not nearly going to impact you as what has already occurred inside of you. Do you know what Jesus said? The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is within you. That's what he said. He wasn't here trying to figure out Rome Jewish relations. He was telling people that his kingdom was not of this world. If you're disappointed today, it's because you are still thinking that the kingdom of God is of this world or that it's something physical or material or tangible. And yet when he was here, he said, it is within you. And so I looked up some history about kings. I was really curious as to who was the youngest king ever to have existed. And I found that there were actually a lot of child kings throughout our history. One of probably the most famous ones was King Tut, an Egyptian pharaoh. You know, his tomb was found intact in 1922, but I believe he was only eight years old. How about King Henry V? He became the king when he was only nine months old. I know some of your boys in your house at one, two, three years old think they're the king of the house, right? But what happened with King Henry V as he got older, two royal families began to battle in his country, and they started what is known as the War of the Roses. That's where you get that phrase from. And his side lost. His kingdom ended. Puyi was a Chinese emperor at two years old. But a revolution overthrew the imperial system just three years later. John I from France, from birth, he was a king. Can you imagine that? But at only five days old, he was poisoned by his uncle because his uncle wanted to be the king. Shashapur II he was a king before he was born, they say, because while his mother was pregnant, they literally kept a crown on her stomach. Could you imagine that? King Oyo from Uganda was three years old when he became the king. He did what most kids would do in this situation. They put him up on a miniature throne, but he came off the throne to play with his toys, took off his crown, and sat on his mom's lap. And I was thinking about kings, and I was thinking about kingdoms, and I was thinking about how old was the youngest king? Was it eight? Was it two? Was it nine months? Was it the one who had a crown on his uh, mother's belly? Or was it Jesus, who was the king of heaven before he ever even came down to this earth? You know, we're going to look at some of these verses. If you have your Bible, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, foretelling Jesus and his kingdom and his lordship. Isaiah 9, 7 says, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. No end. You know, thank God that we have times where a politician comes and goes in this country. Thank God for term limits, and I would argue as a citizen of this country, we might need some more term limits in this country. But how amazing would it be if the perfect, ye 
perfect candidate. Not who you think is perfect, who is flawed, and even if they do some good, will do some bad. I'm talking about the perfect person. Wouldn't it be great if their reign had no end? Well, you have it. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. How many of you want true justice and true righteousness? That's a good thing that your heart wants that. It's a good thing that your mind wants that. But it's a wrong thing to think you're going to get that from faulty humans. You're not going to get truth and justice and righteousness the way it needs to be which is the way that only God can give it from a man or from a woman. And that righteousness from that time on and forever, and the Bible says the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. There's already a candidate that God the Father has backed with great zeal, and that is his son, Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 1, verse 32, listen to what the angel Gabriel said to Mary. We just celebrated Christmas. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. You can write these and look at them later, but Psalm 45, 6 says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You know, I am disappointed in the way things have gone in this country for many years. But I'm also disappointed in the way things have gone in our culture and in our society. And I'm disappointed sometimes with my own bad decisions and my own personality faults and defects. I heard someone say one time, the sin in someone else should never bother you more than the sin in yourself. And when I look around, I see things that are discouraging. I see things that are disappointing. But I know that there's a God of rightness. There's a God of truth. There's a God of mercy. And we want his kingdom to be here on earth as it is in heaven. Hebrews 1.8 says, and it's from the same verse we read in Psalm 45.6, but in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews reiterates what's written in the old, knowing it's talking about Jesus. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the rightness scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Do you know Daniel in the Old Testament prophesied hundreds of years before Christ in chapter 7, verse 14 in Daniel, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So here Jesus comes on the scene. And do you know in the Gospels, the word kingdom is written 126 times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
Remember, Jesus, when he was a baby, he was literally targeted because the wise men told the king at the time that they followed a star looking for a king that was prophesied to be born. And that King Herod was so threatened. What did he do? He had all the boys in that area killed two years and younger just to try to wipe out the possible threat that he perceived in his mind would cost him his kingdom. Jesus's birth was not only foretold, but from the very onset of his physical life as a human here on earth, there was an attempt to destroy him because he is the king. Do you know Jesus himself talked about the kingdom often? There are seven popular parables in the Bible, in the Gospels, told by Jesus that all have to do with the kingdom. You know most of them about the sower or the mustard seed or the hidden treasure. So Jesus was born a king. Jesus spoke about the kingdom and even as he stood before Pilate in John chapter 18, verse 33 to 37, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, Your own people and the chief priest handed you over to me what is it that you have done and Jesus said to Pilate my kingdom is not of this world if it were my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders but now my kingdom is from another place you are a king then said Pilate Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify of the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me, Jesus said. There is no end to his kingdom. It couldn't be more clear in scripture that Jesus is a king. That Jesus is proclaiming to be king. That it was professed that he would be king. And of that kingdom there would be no end. Go to the end of the book. Revelation chapter 11 verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices. Did you hear the angel sounding? They were just doing it outside. There were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. You might recognize that from Handel's Messiah. I think that where there's alignment in Scripture we can be glad for what we see happening around us. I can appreciate someone doing something good, even if they're not a Christian or a believer, because it's good. It's right. We ought to be able to call right out when we see right and call wrong out when we see wrong, based on what the Word of God says, no matter who it is that we're talking about, including ourselves, including our families. But Jesus' kingdom will have no end. 
And what we see happening in the world will eventually have to bow to the king himself. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus. You know, Jesus is not in jeopardy of losing his kingdom. Did you hear that tonight? You need to understand that and know that as a person within the kingdom. He's not in jeopardy at all in any way, shape, or form of losing his kingdom. A third of the angels in heaven were cast down to ensure that and to demonstrate God's power, his divinity, and his sovereignty over all. He's not in jeopardy of losing his kingdom. You are not on the side of a losing battle. You are not backing the wrong leader if you are backing Jesus. There is victory in Jesus. He has already won. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. You know, it's good to know that. It's good to remind yourself of that because I think some of us aren't living like that. We're so wrapped up in all the nonsense and confusion and the devil's doing a really good job of disarming the army of the king because we think the kingdom is in jeopardy. The kingdom is not at all in jeopardy. Jeopardy. Be assured of that tonight. And that's why our prayer as a church and as Christians is thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And you may be asking tonight, well, pastor, with all that's going on, how is that possible? I'm going to tell you tonight, because not only does he reign over his kingdom, but he reigns over his people. He reigns over his people. If you're taking notes tonight or while you're watching, point number one, he reigns over his kingdom. Very simple. Point number two, he reigns over his people. You know, there's an introduction that Paul, uh, John gives us in opening Revelation, chapter one, especially verse five and six. He's introducing himself, but then he talks about Jesus. In verse 5, he says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, listen to this, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. He doesn't just rule over, you know, you wouldn't really be a good king if you had a kingdom that had no people. He rules over his kingdom, but he also rules and reigns over his people. You have been chosen to be a part of the kingdom of God. That's good news. That's better than being on the Democrat side or the Republican side or an independent side or the Green Party or a Libertarian Party or the birthday party from Kanye West. You've been chosen by God to be in his kingdom. That is awesome. 
It's a kingdom that's not going to end. Isn't that exciting? You are a part of a kingdom that is not going to end. And so I don't know why we would be trying so desperately to set up kingdoms on earth, not only politically, but even within our own lives and our own families and our own minds where we want to be king or we want to choose someone with less qualifications than the king of kings and the lord of lords to be the ruler over us. It almost sounds like what the Israelites did when they chose Saul to be the king the first time. I'm not saying we don't vote. Those of you who know me know we should do that. I'm saying that it's less about who you vote for every four years, and it's more about who you choose to live for every single day. He's the king. And he reigns over his kingdom and over his people. You know, and you've heard it before, you are serving someone. You are serving something. You are a slave to God or you are a slave to sin. There's no neutral territory in your life. You're bound by something. You're serving something. Who has captured your heart? What has captured your heart? What are you living for? Is it fame? Is it fortune? Is it power? Is it pleasure? Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, in this case, money, but you cannot serve both God and anything else. Nothing else. Now, I can align myself with those that are aligning themselves with the Word of God, and I have to sometimes decipher because sometimes there's a person who in certain areas aligns themselves with God and in other areas doesn't align themselves with God. And I need to be careful to make sure that I'm not aligning myself with the person as much as I'm aligning myself with the truths that they hold that are part of the kingdom that I'm a part of. And we need to be careful to make that distinguish, that distinguishing between those two things. Politically, Musically, culturally, philosophically, theology-wise, in every area of our lives. If it's scriptural, then I'm going to line up with it. If it's not, then I'm going to call it for what it is. It's not the will of God. It's not right. It's not good. It may even be sin. But if I'm trying to somehow serve a person or serve an ideology or serve a philosophy that is not of God, I can't somehow do both. I have to either love one and hate the other or love the other and hate the first. You know, it's interesting. We have that word slave in Scripture, but there's also this word bond servant. And you know what the biggest difference is? A bond servant is bond to service without wages, similar to a slave, but it's a choice. It's a choice. They make the decision, I want to serve you all the days of my life. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, you know, someone who, who, who uh, you know, saves someone's life 
maybe at a restaurant or maybe they were about to get hit by a car or choke on food at the restaurant, whatever it may be. And all of a sudden that person says, I owe you my life. I owe you my everything. And I'm going to help you and I'm going to serve you and I'm going to follow you. And you've seen comedy routines about things like that. But I want you to think about it tonight. Jesus has saved your life. David and Aaron both told us tonight, Jesus has saved their lives. They would not be here tonight in church. They would not perhaps exist today on this day. They would not be necessarily be worshiping Jesus in this season if it had not been for the saving power of Christ in their lives. Jesus did that. That's what he's famous for. That's what he's famous for. You know, if we would go around being a part of what he's famous for, we'd make a bigger dent in our society than we're making today. If we would do what Jesus is famous for, we'd make a bigger dent in our culture and a bigger dent in our politics and a bigger dent in this world than we are making today. Isn't it time to make Jesus famous again? Isn't it time to make Jesus famous again in 2021? Well, it's a choice. Are you going to serve him or are you going to serve others? Are you going to be a slave to him or continue being a slave to sin? Are you going to serve two masters? Do you think you're the God of your life and you're the God of, of, of your future and the God of your destiny? Or are you putting yourself in his hands? Paul, one of the greatest apostles, saved radically. Imagine if he was up here giving a teen challenge testimony. David Aaron and the apostle Paul. And what did the apostle Paul say in Romans 1, 1 to 5? He calls himself, I, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. In other words, I've chosen to serve and give my life to you all my days he says, I'm called to be an apostle. Listen, separated to the gospel of God. You know, I've told you, and I know we're talking a lot about what's going on to a degree politically in our world today. My dad really was, uh, I guess, what you'd call a bit of a political junkie, right? He would watch, you know, these news stations, and we would joke around, my mom and I, because we would come in the room, and an hour later, two hours later, three hours later, they're showing the same clips, talking about the same thing, you know? And some of these stations have these alerts, right? And these alerts, you think, are going to be like these major news breakthroughs, and it's like, that's not really a reason to have this big, giant alert going on on your station. And he was so interested in that. But I remember when he got sick, and I remember just the few months left that he had it was actually during one of our most recent, recent major elections. And my dad did not once mention either political candidate or what was going to happen or what the future was going to look like. Because in that moment, he came to the realization that those things aren't nearly as important as the kingdom of God itself. And I got to be honest. Sometimes I get caught up in some of that. How about some of you? Any political junkies out there? A few of you, right? We get caught up in this stuff. 
And it's on the left and the right, by the way, right? You got your Rachel Maddow and your Sean Hannity supporters, two total opposites, but totally dedicated to watching and listening to what's being said by anyone on the left or on the right. And we don't realize it, but we are listening to noise that is overpowering the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I encourage you, put down the remote control, turn the station in your car to something else, and let's listen to channels that are going to focus on the kingdom of God. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean that we stick our head in the sand. I'm not saying that. I'm giving you a tool tonight of how to have a greater impact, even in those areas you're talking about. You're not going to have the impact focusing on those areas. You're going to have the impact focusing on Jesus. Do you understand? Do you understand? You're the God of the city, we just sang. As Kathy and Gio and the team was singing that tonight, you know what thought came to me? Lord, I'm not giving up on this city. Lord, I'm not giving up on New York City. You are the God with us representing you in this city. You can become the God of the people of this city. I'm not saying necessarily that Cuomo and de Blasio are all of a sudden going to show up at House on the Rock Church, but they may. Maybe to tell us to stop meeting. I don't know. Don't give up on the place that God has put you. Focus on him and his kingdom and let that be the way and the method and the catalyst that his kingdom is done here on earth just like it's done in heaven. I'm almost ready to close. I'll ask the worship team actually to come up. You know, Paul continues in uh, Romans chapter 1 and he calls himself this bondservant, and he talks about Jesus being born of David, and we said that he, with that kingdom, will have no end. He's declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Do you understand that? The king who reigns over his kingdom which will never and is never in jeopardy of being destroyed. That same king conquered death itself, conquered sin and all of its effects. You got yourself all worked up and all worried and all anxious, and yet if you would remind yourself of who the king is and the fact that he has a kingdom that won't end, can't be destroyed, and you are a part of that kingdom as his loyal subject, a bondservant, to serve him all the days of your life, what do you think the devil could possibly do to you? What could this world possibly do to you? What could the opposing party or what could your enemy possibly do to you if God is for us who can be against us no one and nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus nothing nothing 
And so not only is he reigning over his kingdom, not only is he reigning over his people, but tonight I want to remind you in closing, number three, he reigns over the battle. He reigns over the battle. He has not met an opposition that could possibly defeat him. He has not come across an enemy that is more savvy or more strategic or more powerful than he is. It's like the devil's playing checkers and, and Jesus is playing chess. There is absolutely no authority that Satan has in the kingdom of God. There is absolutely no authority that Satan has over the king. And if you allow him to be king in your life and you allow him to keep you in the kingdom, then there will be no authority that he will have over you. None. None whatsoever. Nothing. Come on, stand with me tonight. It may not look like he reigns over the battle, but he does. Let me tell you something. Looks can be very deceiving. Very, very deceiving. It may not look like he is reigning over the battle in your life right now. It may not look like he's reigning over the battle in New York City or over the United States or over the world right now. But he still reigns over the battle. He still reigns over the battle. You may have had loss. You may have had sorrow. You may have had disappointment. But guess what? He still reigns over that battle. You say, Pastor, how's that possible? I lost. How's it possible? I was defeated. How's it possible? That thing was stolen from me. Let me tell you something. It's not always what it looks like. It's not. There is a God that is so filled with wisdom that he is able to navigate the lives of all those within his kingdom for not only their good, but for his glory. Not only their good, but for his glory. And that king is not going to be embarrassed. That king is not going to be ashamed. That king is not going to hang his head. That king reigns victoriously over every battle. And just because it's not happening the way you think it should happen doesn't mean that Jesus is not reigning over that battle in your life. The kingdom is not just what you see. The kingdom is not necessarily what you can feel or what you can touch. But that kingdom of heaven is within you. When you get to a place where you understand how he reigns over the kingdom and will never be defeated, how he reigns over his people in which you are one and you can't be defeated and you recognize that he reigns over the battle let me tell you something that's a whole nother level of living 
That is a whole nother level of living. And the truth is, a very small percentage of churchgoers in America have gotten to that place. By the way, that's why we see all that we see around us. So where are you tonight? As we have exited 2020 and as we're in 2021, where are you? Where are you? Romans 8.37 says all these things, in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conqueror through him who loved us. I'm not a conqueror because I'm some tough guy. You want to hear something? I haven't been into a fight since I was in middle school. I'm 41 years old. I haven't lifted my hands to fight someone since I was 12. I'm not a tough guy. I know I look tough. I'm not a conqueror because of anything I have done or who I am. I'm a conqueror through the king. I'm a conqueror through his kingdom. I'm a conqueror through Jesus because, this is why that verse says, I love it, because he lives, I will live also. That's why. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, but thanks be to God which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's not victory through anything else. It's victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're looking for victory anywhere other than through the kingdom of God and through the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you are going to be disappointed. You're going to feel defeated. You can come to church. You can sing the songs, but you know it. Deep down inside, you feel like a failure, like you've lost because you're not truly living in the kingdom for the king, letting him fight your battles victoriously. But that can change. That can change. Do you know how many Bible characters during the time they lived in was a horrible, wicked, difficult time? And do you know what happened to them? They prospered right in the middle of chaos. Do you know what I believe is going to happen to those who are a part of his kingdom, serving the king as a bondservant, letting him fight their battles? They're going to prosper in the middle of the chaos that's all around us. All around us. And so tonight we're reminded, who is this king of glory? It's the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, the Bible tells us. You gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Tonight is the night to let the king of glory 100% into your heart and your mind and your life. Literally like Jesus is walking through the back door tonight. He wants you to allow him to come into your life. Who is he, this king of glory? It's the Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. He is the king of glory. We mentioned Handel's Messiah, and we read some of the scripture from that tonight. But you know the best part of that classical piece that we hear during Christmas time? 
It's the hallelujah chorus. Do you know the hallelujah chorus? I'm not going to ask you to sing it because it's almost impossible to sing. But that hallelujah chorus, which that word hallelujah means praise the Lord. Why are we praising the Lord? Why are we saying you are worthy? Why are we saying you are worthy of my worship? Why? Because that song says and scripture says the kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. King of kings and Lord of lords forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Unlimited power. Able to do everything and anything. And how does that song end? And he shall reign forever and ever. Do you believe it tonight? If you don't believe it, the Bible gives you some instruction. Stir yourself. The Bible gives you some instruction. Work out your salvation. You got to be in it to win it, my friends. You got to make a choice tonight to take a step into the kingdom. You got to make a choice tonight to take a step towards the king himself. You need to make a choice tonight to let go of your battles and put them into the hands of the one who reigns over every battle of your life. Are you ready to do it tonight? Are you ready? Those who are watching right now, are you ready to let Jesus have his way in you? Let's close our eyes. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Come on, the presence of God is in this place tonight. The spirit of the living God.